Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Diet Riot Podcast with Alyssa Miller, Brooke Miller, both dietitians, both moms, both live in Denver, both from the Midwest, both love intuitive eating. This is where I always start to trail off. I know. (laughs) It's like when Rachel and Phoebe do their um, voicemail. Hi, you've reached Rachel and Phoebe. It's Phoebe. Yes. And I have all the bad words. (laughs) Yep. I give you all the bad words. Uh, oh my gosh. Thanks for so much for tuning in, you guys, today. We have an awesome guest. We've got Kristen Brown here today. She's a prenatal dietitian, and I'm going to throw it over to her to introduce herself and tell you a little bit more about her. So Kristen, can you just tell our listeners kind of um, what you do and then also how you've kind of come across this path in dietetics and how you kind of got here? Totally. So first, I just want to thank you guys for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I love your guys' podcast. You it's so nice oh. to like be able to set aside some time to chat. Yeah. So I am a prenatal dietitian. I also work with women who are struggling with infertility and PCOS. My husband and I actually struggled with infertility for a while after I came off the birth control pill. My period didn't come back. The story that everyone hears over and over mm-hmm. and over again. But we struggled for almost two years to get pregnant. And I really had no idea that food and lifestyle could play as big of a role as it did. I ended up going to a nutrition conference, listening to a researcher talk on nutrition and fertility. And like my mind was blown. And I started putting these things into practice, digging a little bit more into the research, was able to regulate my cycle again, and then got pregnant spontaneously with twins. So, you know... It really worked. (laughs) So, anyways, it's incredible. Really interesting. And people always ask, for some reason, there's like this fascination with twins, and people will be like, "How how can you make me have twins?" And I'm like, "I cannot." Like, I I mean, but I have a dream of being a twin mom, but it's just a pipe dream, not me. (laughs) That's a lot of work. I can send you a lot of videos that will totally squash that dream. Yeah, I'm like, I think it sounds so hard. I believe it. Well, now that I've had one, like that was my dream before I had, now I have two kids, different ages, not twins. And after the first one, I was like, you know, if I, if I was going to get twins, I'd want them first. Yeah. You know, you know, nothing different. Yeah. Totally. Now, no way. So, friends who have twins who then had a singleton, they're like, "This is a dream." Because yes, it's just like hit with like the hardest postpartum period. Totally. Yes. And I, ha- I know somebody who has triplets, and I asked her, I was like, "No, do you look <sighs> at me, and are you like, it would be so easy to have twins?" And she said, "Yes." I was like, wow. "Oh my god, uh, I can't imagine me being in this easy situation." Oh, but yeah. yeah. I mean, having yeah. a baby is hard, postpartum, like, yeah. you know, sleep. Regardless. Yeah. yeah, no matter what. So It's all hard all the time. There's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it is it is kind of interesting. It keeps you in perspective, though, right? You know, like, it's, it's hard and it's totally fine and valid to have those feelings of this is difficult. But when you are face-to-face with a twin mom or a triplet mom, you're just like, okay, I can handle this one. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, I can do it. If she's oh at Target, I can be at Target. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. My, one of my girlfriends from college, I hope she's listening. She's pregnant with twins right now, and her daughter is, uh, um, like, a month younger than my son. My, oh my son gosh. is almost 11 months old. That's insane. So she is, she has twins on the way. She's like 16 weeks pregnant, I think with twins and she has, she's going to have three under two. And I'm like, I have a friend that just girl, had that she can totally too. handle it though. Yeah. She's well. just got the mentality like, it'll be fine. I got it. And she'll do great. But I was like, I would be in panic mode. I'd my be eyes terrified. are wide open right now. Yeah. That's, that's, oh, man. that's hard. Yeah. yeah anyway, so hard. sorry. We kind of cut Anyways, you off. Yeah. No, that's okay. So then we got pregnant. It was amazing. Found out it was twins during my pregnancy. Never once was I asked about my diet, my supplements, like my lifestyle, like nothing. And initially I had assumed that it was because like my care providers knew what I did for a living. So they just never really asked me. Sure. But I found out that they didn't know what I did for a living. And then I was horrified. Right. Nobody mentioned 
any of this. To Did me. they mention a prenatal vitamin? So they said, are you taking a prenatal vitamin? Okay. That was the end of the story. That was like, it. Yep. Nothing about end diet, nothing about what, you know, what specific one are you taking? Are you taking any other supplements? Like zero. Wow. Anyway, so then I was like, oh my gosh, like this is the care that women are getting. And I kind of put my feelers out there and was asking other women, like, what was your experience? Like, did you feel like you were asked any of these questions during your like prenatal period? And everyone was like, no. Some women wow. who worked with, you know, more progressive midwives had a little bit, it seemed like a little bit more like thorough care. But anyways, I was like, nobody's getting this information. It is so incredibly important. It needs to be so mainstream. Like right. it doesn't need to be just like these like healthy, crunchy mamas who like, you know, like to look into things on their own, who get totally. information. Like it needs to be delivered to everyone. Like basic knowledge totally. for women. Yeah. yeah. Because it's affecting more than the woman. It's affecting the, the fetus too. Right. And so totally. it's so vital that both mom and baby are getting good care. Yeah. Right. So I've done a lot of like sort of mom groups and they're honestly, they're not my favorite to do because it's hard to deliver information in a way that makes people not feel like, oh, I, like, why didn't I know this before? Yeah. Right. You know I mean? yeah. And you only know as much as you know, and that's like the best you can do. But it's yeah, hard to tell that. them on that, right? Yep. Especially it's a new like, mom. Now that we know, move forward, you know, know better, do better. You can't go back. You can't fix things. But that's a really interesting perspective. And I'm curious, Brooke, what yours was. But with me, my first pregnancy, I went with an OBGYN. And so similar kind of situation as you is they knew what I did for a living. And so anytime nutrition would kind of come up, they would do this thing where they would go, oh, but you're a dietitian, so it's fine. And I appreciate that their respect, but like, I'm not a prenatal dietitian, you know, like I'm interested in nutrition and I love being pregnant and everything. But like, you know, I think people forget that just because we're a dietitian doesn't mean we specialize in all areas. Of yeah. Being a dietitian. Like, yeah. So, it, you know, it is really specialized. And so I wish that they would have given me more information and I probably could have been a little more like forthcoming that I was like, Hey, I actually would like some support, but it kind of feels embarrassing as a dietitian to ask for that. But at the same time, I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, I can't just come up with all of a sudden, like, Oh, you're a liver transfer trans, um, plant patient. I'll just come up with all this information on the spot. You know, mm -hmm. I know how to access that material. But, um, so I had that experience, but then with my midwife, um, with my second pregnancy, I went through a midwife and just like you said, she was super progressive, really supportive and encouraged my nutrition. And she was so great. Cause she was like, I know you're a dietitian, but in the heat of being pregnant, a lot of times we get scared or confused or, you know, you're just not focused as a professional on yourself. <laughs> You know, I might be able to give my friend who's pregnant advice, but for myself, I'm like, I don't know, this doesn't feel good or I don't feel good or whatever. And it, it's hard. So totally. And you want to be cared for. You want someone to be like checking up on you. Like, you know, how's your appetite? Like, what are you eating? Like, mm -hmm. you know, this your mm -hmm. second Like, are you drinking a lot of coffee? Like, you know, yeah. all of those things that you're like, I know. And just because you know, sometimes it doesn't make you. It doesn't translate. Yeah. Totally. So I think it's good to have that like sort of checkup regardless of what you do. Like, as yeah, they did. You know, I had OBs. Um, I had a lot. I mean, I had nine OBs and specialists between my pregnancy. So I had a lot of appointments and two ultrasounds a week and, you know, like a lot to talk about. But All the um, they did, you know, early on in my pregnancy, I remember she said, like, I could eat sushi if it was from a reputable source. Um, she told me that I could still drink coffee, which, you know, I from what I learned as a WIC dietitian, you know, I was still able to drink coffee, like one cup a day. Um, so those were kind of the basics was coffee and sushi. And then they gave me a list of things, foods to avoid, but that was it. It was like, here's what to avoid and here's what to limit. But that was it. There was no list or talk of what I should be eating. It was all avoid this type of cheese, avoid this type of food, which again is great. Like we do need to know about foodborne illness. So I'm glad that people know that, but it's still, yeah, it was just a list of what to not do. <laughs> and I wonder too, Kristen, your experience, do you find that a lot of those lists are outdated? Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And I think they're exactly what you said. I think it's really just to try to keep people safe. Right. right. Whereas 
if that's sort of where things end with your knowledge on the topic as a physician or a midwife or OB, whatever, then your number one priority is to keep people safe, period. Right. Sure. So I get mm-hmm. it. I get that it's like, you know, and you only have so much time with your patient. You can't go like, be like, well, you know, sushi is, you know, where are you getting it from? Like, you know, right. all of these sorts of things, or, you know, you're maybe more likely to get foodborne illness from your spinach or romaine lettuce than but they don't have the time to really dig into that so or maybe that's sort of just their protocol so i i get it that it's a little bit more limiting than really maybe it needs to be but Mm -hmm. if if they saw a dietitian then i think they would get things explained to them a little bit better Sure. Do you find, so do you work with a lot of people who are trying to get pregnant? And if so, are there infertility doctors discussing supplements or foods that they should be eating? Because I feel like how frustrating to try, be trying to get pregnant and then how frustrating to have a doctor be like, "Mm, all we can do is IVF or IUI. That's it. Like, good luck. There's nothing you can do. You know, like what do you see the most? Cause I haven't, I haven't struggled with infertility yet and hopefully not, but what do you like, what do you see from that aspect? Totally. So I like where I live and a lot of where my clients live, there's two major uh, fertility clinics that they would visit. One, I find the reproductive endocrinologists are like fantastic. And a lot of their recommendations are similar to my recommendations or they'll make a referral. And then the other one it seems like is more like focused on the money and not necessarily focused on all of the other things that women can do, which is unfortunate because sometimes I get them like at the end of their IVF journey and they think they're at this like really great stage because they're like, I'm not pregnant yet, but like next week I'm going in and then I'm going to be pregnant. And, and I'm like, gosh, I wish I had have seen you like, earlier on because all yeah. of the and sometimes I'll just be like you know did you hear about this and I try not to like make it too much of a focus because that ship has sort of sailed but I want to get a sense of what they're getting for information and sometimes it's not the best so I think it's a sure. thing where you know you have people who a like to give them the benefit of the doubt they don't have the you know, the training in that area to help right. them in that way, but maybe also not super motivated to do it. Well, yeah. And what a cool lens that you have that you've actually been through it. You know, you've been in it and you've been like going through that infertility stage. So I, we struggled to get pregnant with my second for a year. So we got diagnosed officially with like an unexplained infertility. They checked Mm -hmm. everything out, but no real reason for it. And it's, it's a really, I hated it going through it. And that's like a lot of stress and anxiety put on you as well. And then when someone tells you something that you haven't tried yet, you get super excited just for sometimes it to fail, but you also feel shame or guilt. Like you're saying of why didn't I implement this a year ago or in your case, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that can be a really ticky tacky situation to be in of, I want to do everything I can while staying sane and not getting overly stressed because we all know stress is the biggest thing that probably keeps you from getting pregnant um, or, you know, everything in your life. (laughs) And so um, it's just it's coming at you from all angles. So I I really appreciate it. it sounds like you take a really delicate and empathetic approach, probably because of where you've been, you know. Totally. And I think that that's sort of one thing that I really love about the situation that I'm in, which I think a lot of dietitians don't have that opportunity is that like everything I'm helping women in, like I've been there, mm-hmm, you know? Totally. Yeah. So I feel like it makes a little bit of a difference just in being able to relate to them. Sure. So, okay. So getting into some of the nitty gritty (laughs) of fertility. So when you're working with women who are trying to get pregnant, struggling to get pregnant, or maybe they just want to get pregnant and they haven't been diagnosed with infertility or anything, what kind of recommendations do you make in general? Obviously everyone's probably a little more unique, but. Right. So it depends on what they're coming to me with. If they're struggling to get pregnant and they, you know, don't have a regular cycle or they're struggling with PCOS symptoms, it's getting those under control. But if it was just very general. Um, if they're just coming to me and they're, you know, there's nothing glaring and they're like, I just really want to have as healthy a pregnancy as I can. And, you know, I really want to focus, focus on the preconception phase. 
then you know it's a lot of antioxidants. It's making sure the vitamin D levels are good. It's making sure that they're eating in an anti-inflammatory way. Those sort of key factors in, in really improving egg quality. And then if they've been struggling for a while, we look at maybe in, incorporating some more supplements, but only really at that point in the journey, do we really incorporate those sorts of things? So it really does depend, but I would say vitamin D, reducing inflammation, increasing antioxidants are probably like three top. And do you work with couples together? Like, do you say with men, this is, because I don't think people realize that sperm is like also a very important part of getting pregnant. And so they just assume like, oh, well, no, it's just like all dependent on the women's diet and what she's doing. And it's like, yeah, she's the one technically growing the baby, but the sperm matter. So can you dive in a little bit about what the difference is um, between men and women and what you tell them? Totally. So that is a really good point. Some of the couples that I do work with that sometimes it's focused totally on male fertility and they've had sort of a a sperm analysis and they've gotten their results back and they weren't super stoked on them. So, uh, you know, if it's focused mostly on male fertility, we're looking a lot at like zinc levels. We're looking at folate. We're still looking at eating in an anti-inflammatory way. We're looking at drug and alcohol use. We're looking at stress all of those sorts of things for male fertility. And then women, like I said, those probably those top three anti-inflammatory, lots of antioxidants and and good vitamin D status are really key. But a lot of them sort of intertwine. Right. Sure. That's so funny because when we were going through our journey, our OB was so excited to tell us um, that it would be super easy to get pregnant once my husband stopped smoking weed. He doesn't smoke weed. (laughs) (laughs) But we live in Colorado. We live in Colorado. So it's just like assumed that everybody smokes weed all day. Yeah. And she was like, oh, well, if he just stops smoking weed, then probably things will be just fine in like three months. And I was like, he doesn't smoke weed. And she's like, not at all. I was like, no, not at all. (laughs) We don't smoke weed. It's just because we live in Colorado doesn't mean we automatically toke up every day and so I think that was really funny to see this like flash of like joy come across her face like oh I can solve it no problem yeah yeah yeah. she's just like oh it's just weeds the answer to everything and then sorry I just had to share that that's hilarious so funny it and kind of disheartening too because when she said it I was like oh great we have an answer and then she said that and I was like no back Uh, to planet (laughs) back to back to the next plan whatever that is yeah totally and when you're in that situation you just want someone to tell you like this is what you've been missing exactly I know if you just eat a banana before dawn every day oh my gosh (laughs) I had someone tell me on Instagram the other day they were like do you think it's my oatmeal that I've been eating three times and I'm like no I don't I don't think that but I get it like when you're in that situation it's like you are looking at every single thing you're doing. Totally. And you're so vulnerable, you know, and and that's really sad when you see people in the diet culture realm of selling this tonic or this shake or this blah, 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 blah to people who are so vulnerable and they'll do anything to get pregnant and they're so desperate. Um, And by the way, that's me. That was me. Totally. You know, after a first few months, it was like, this is a little disheartening. And then by the end, you're like, what the actual F is going on? And it's super stressful. Um, But anyways, that's really sad to see people get taken advantage of, you know, and, and sold things that they don't actually need. So I'm glad you're, you're in there, you know? Um, so do you see, I guess the neck, another question I wanted to ask you was like this kind of, we already touched on this, but the stress level of making sure you're eating the right things all the time versus like our, you know, we talk a lot about intuitive eating and listening to your body. Um, kind of how do those two things work in tandem and together while you're trying to get pregnant or maybe even while you're pregnant? Totally. I think it really, if we're looking at the preconception period when people are really maybe struggling a little bit, it it's definitely challenging because like you said, stress plays such a huge role and the least helpful advice to give someone is like, just relax. Like, oh, yeah, yes, totally. Go on vacation. We got go on vacation all the time and we're like, We've already gone on vacation. How much PTO do we have? Just get drunk. And I'm like, oh my God. Totally. So anyways, I think it's really focusing on like the individual and what is really good for reducing stress for them. Mm And then working on that stress piece as like the foundation, but not focusing on it in a way that's like, does your stress feel reduced? It's like, (laughs) what do you love doing? Like, I want you to do that more. 
and like following up and making sure that they're doing that and seeing how they feel and talking about breathing techniques and talking about like different strategies for them that may be useful or maybe they haven't tried. And then some key nutrients. It's not like a nutrition prescription, follow this diet and you know, in three months, boom, you'll be pregnant. It's, It's sort of a fine balance between like, let's take a little bit of the focus off that but still, I, I do want you to be successful and I do want sure. you to get pregnant. Super well-rounded, it sounds like, you know, a really is, well-rounded approach. It's so challenging. And I think yeah. it's different depending on everyone. Sometimes people come and they're like, they're pretty relaxed already. And they're like, I know there's things I'm not really doing that maybe I should be doing. So I just want to make sure I'm taking all the boxes that I can. And, you know, it's a little bit easier with them. And then I do have like the type A overachievers like do all of the things and for uh-huh. them it's like let's let's not even talk about food right now let's oh yeah like things that you used to enjoy before you started obsessing over this yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm a recovering type a I know that's a thing but I'm <laughs> hiding it's a thing I've gotten like better at it so common for dietitians Totally. Oh, oh my yeah. Gosh, yeah. I have things I'm super type A about, you know, and, and I don't know if those will ever go away. But then other things I could care less about, like we talk all the time. I'm always late. That's not very type A of me. Always late. Working on it. 2020. This is my year. This is your year. <laughs> um, yeah. So it sounds like already just the way that you're talking, you focus a lot on what people can add in to their diet versus restriction or like never eat this food. Is there anything oh, you always gosh. recommend off limits 100%? I mean, during pregnancy, I really don't alcohol. recommend alcohol. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like some people will say. Drugs. Yeah. Drugs. Don't do cocaine. Yes. Some people say, oh, you can get away with this much. But I'm like, you know what? Like, it, why would you ever risk it? Mm-hmm. Right? So that would be it. Risk benefit. You know, you have to look at that. And yeah. Yeah. So nothing outside of drugs, alcohol, no food items that no you're No caffeine? Like, oh, yeah. What about caffeine? Oh my That's gosh, a big no. one. I would yes, never I have take a big someone- cup of coffee. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> We're I would never now. take someone's coffee away. So uh, anything Amen. under 300 milligrams of caffeine a day is totally safe. So that would be like a cup or two of coffee. I love that. I would never take someone's coffee away. Well, it's true. Oh Oh. my gosh. When I was pregnant, I went to my cousin's house and I asked for a Diet Coke and I like really rarely drink soda. And he was like, well, we don't have caffeine free. I was like, there's 65 milligrams. I'm good. Like, (laughs) I'm good. I can have like a Diet Coke a week. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The look I got at Starbucks. Oh, I got coffee every day. Yeah. She's like, oh, sure. Do you want decaf? Uh, did I say decaf? No, I want the full thing. What did you guys see that meme where it was like the girl was in line at Starbucks and she asked for a coffee and someone in the line behind her was like, you know, if you're pregnant, you shouldn't drink coffee. And she turned around and she was like, I'm not pregnant. <gasps> no. That's that so sad. No, no, she was pregnant. Oh. I to feel bad. Oh, I, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that What are you too. talking about? Why are you touching Why your belly? I'm not pregnant. Oh, my gosh. Oh, That's my hilarious. gosh. I can't She's imagine. Like, oh, sorry. And so I, oh, it was wow. like teaching her a lesson, like, keep your mouth. Sure. Yeah. 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 This is oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I'm going <laughs> to start. my baby. I remember when I was like really pregnant, people would just like come up and say the most absurd things. They and you're would. like, what gives you the right to like, I'm sure with twins when you're, cause oh, you know, yeah. I'm sure you're a little bigger pregnant with twins versus like a singleton. So I'm sure that people made so many comments. Oh, I got you. comments all the time. Are you having twins? Stop it. No. Back off. You back up right now. Or it looks like you're about to pop. And I'm like, I actually still have two months left. But thanks. Thanks, thanks so much thanks for saying that. Yeah. Really, really appreciate that. Oh, that I can't believe that people still. I know. Make or I got a lot of like other people's birth trauma vomited yeah. all over me. Like yeah. I'm close to giving birth. And so now all of a sudden you feel like you can come and tell me how you tore seven inches or whatever ridiculous tear you've had or whatever that might look like. A friend of mine um, just found out she's expecting and I just warned her. I said, be super protective when people come tell you their birth story. Mm-hmm. I literally at the end, I was like, I don't want to hear it. I am happy to hear it after I'm done giving birth. And I was having a VBAC too. So like my mental state was super important. Wow. And I was so protective. If someone even started talking about their own pregnancy, I was like, nope, don't want to hear it. Zip it. Don't even want you to tell me anything. Like it was so important to protect that. So anyway, sorry, we kind of got off topic there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't do it my first time. So and I learned. Because you don't know. You don't know. You don't. Yeah. You, you have really no don't. idea what's going to happen. You don't know what people, gosh, people will say the craziest things to you all the time. I had oh, my four month old son out and about. <laughs> 
And a four-month-old son walked into Sprouts, the lady behind the cash register. And she's super, you know, she's nice. But she goes, oh, and it looks like you're expecting a second one. No, I'm four no. months postpartum, lady. I'm just this postpartum. Is postpartum. Four, he's four months old. He's tiny. It's like, no, I, of course I still have a belly. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I what do you think will. it shrinks the next day when you leave the hospital? Like, what do people think? Like, we all can't be Kate Middleton. <laughs> Kate. Oh, man. I know. And I was like, of course. Like, he's tiny. And that's your... So I just think that's funny that that was her first guess was that I was pregnant again with a four month old over the fact that I just hadn't lost my belly from giving birth. Right. You're like, it's more realistic. It's okay to say it. Yes. Totally. Totally. Anyways. People are crazy. Um, Okay. We can get back back to to pregnancy. (laughs) So another question I wanted to ask was about early pregnancy. So like both of us were pretty sick um, during different parts Mm -hmm. of our pregnancy. And I know just eating enough was such a struggle. I was like literally forcing myself to eat. And normally I'm a pretty intuitive eater. Um, What advice do you have for people who are really battling morning sickness and early pregnancy symptoms and getting in those like vital nutrients? Because it's hard. I didn't think it would be as hard. And then when I went through it, I was like, Oh, this is why my past job, my pregnant ladies were complaining all the time. It's sure. hard. Yeah, totally. And all you can do is the best you can do. Focus on getting in your prenatal vitamin, especially if during the day you're really not eating a whole heck of a lot. Focusing on protein can be helpful if you're having nausea, get in like nutrient dense foods or in calorie dense foods as often as you can. It's a lot of my like early prenatal clients really focus on smoothies and just like sipping them throughout the day. Freezing cold smoothies for me Mm. were like key, key. It's going to give you way more in terms of nutrients than that piece of toast or that bowl of, you know, cornflakes or whatever. Cheerios. Oh my gosh. That was my craving. (laughs) So when you say prenatal vitamin, I have a quick question, a follow up on that. Um, I always took my prenatal at night. Does that matter during the day versus at night? No, I think it's just okay, if you good. get nauseous. That's what I always. That's told why people. I took it at night. Yeah, because I would get nauseous off of the iron in it, and then I was like, I'll just take it at night. And then I was like, hmm, I, I should ask her while she's here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's all about preference. Some people will cool. say like B vitamins might be a little bit more stimulating, but I think it's totally depending on the person. And then, sure. do you have a specific brand of prenatal that you would avoid or recommend, or are most of them for the most part okay? And then there's some that's like a little bit better. Oh my God. Lots of questions. You asked me about that. (sighs) This is probably, I think you said it was like one of the top questions you get asked. I get asked all the time too, because I think the, the information that women get from their physicians is, you know, not very thorough in this area. I have Mm. quite a few physician clients who come to me on a popular prenatal vitamin that is available from the drugstore. I don't know if it's okay to say the name or if I should yeah, not. Yeah, we say it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's Materna, which is oh, like okay. very common prenatal vitamin, especially in Canada. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. I haven't heard of it. I haven't heard of it either. Okay. I'm it's sure just it's like a there. generic like one a day prenatal that yeah. has like the least bioavailable forms of most nutrients in it. Um, mm-hmm. A difficult to, often difficult to tolerate form of iron it's missing a lot of key nutrients and it's marketed as sort of like an all in one. It's one pill a day, which we know isn't the best for absorption of different nutrients. So anyways, they'll come to me on Materna and I'll be like, I'm curious how you, you came to choose this supplement. And they'll mm-hmm. say, well, this is the one I recommend to my, my patients. And I'm oh, like, wow, this is the one I have samples of in my office, you know, <laughs> from the rest. Money. From money, money. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's not necessarily the one I would choose. Right. So and it's probably better than not taking anything. A hundred percent. And that's the one thing that I'll tell women is that it's better to take something than to take nothing. But exactly. And if this is what's in your, your budget, don't feel bad about that. That's right. totally okay. And that it's a fine choice. Yep. I love that you talked about the bioavailability of supplements because when we were um, trying to conceive, we were given this list of supplements and it was just a list. It was just a bullet pointed list. 
And when I went to like go fulfill these supplements for me and my husband both, I, because I'm a dietitian, was able to actually be like, okay, we're going to take these ones in the morning and these ones at night and these with food and these without, because I'm a dietitian, people don't have that information. Yeah, nobody would know that. But yeah. that it's so important. You can't just down 10 supplements in one sip and expect them not to bind to each other or to not get absorbed or whatnot. So, um, so when you look at a prenatal vitamin, um, what do you look for specifically? So there's a bunch of different layers and usually yeah. my clients can't get everything they need just from a prenatal. And I should start by saying a supplement is meant to supplement your diet. Like you can't exactly. eat, you know, non-nutrient dense foods and slap on the most expensive supplement you can find and be like, woo, like we're, we're doing great. Right. It's better to take whatever supplement you can afford, even a cheaper option and really focus on food if that's, you know, yeah. if you have to choose between one or the other. But if we're talking about supplements and what we're looking for, some things that, you know, some of the drugstore brands of supplements don't include, num- number one, be choline, okay? yes. mm-hmm. which isn't in a lot of prenatal vitamins, which is unfortunate. You can get it from food, but, you know, some of the highest food sources of choline is eggs. And especially mm-hmm. during your first trimester, like, Eating eggs is probably not high on the list of things that are isn't the, tolerated. That's the only protein I could tolerate. The Stop. whole pregnancy. The whole pregnancy. The smell didn't bother you. No, it's the only awesome. thing I could eat. I couldn't eat any meat, only eggs. I couldn't cook any raw meat. So Josh would have to do a lot of the cooking or we like grilled a lot because I was like, I can't like Oh, it was so nauseating to me. Eggs, I had troubles with my first trimester tolerating, and I had eggs every single morning at my I made my whole adult life every single morning. And then I got pregnant and I was like, I need oatmeal or cereal. Oh no. <laughs> Could not do eggs. So I totally am there. Yeah. And choline. And okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, because I mean obviously I haven't been studying this for very long, but choline's a relatively new um like they just realized how important choline is in early pregnancy. Yeah, right? 100%. And why is it important? Can you dive into that too? Yeah, pre- preventing neural tube defects, brain development, uh, like placental function. It's huge. Like arguably just as important as folate. Wow. wow. Like any of the recognition yet. Mm-hmm. I think things are going to shift. And thank God wow, I work great. as, again, another privilege just being a dietitian that no one's going to teach you is I work, we work with another dietitian, actually Beth, mm-hmm. told me about the new research about choline and how important it was. And that's why I implemented it. It's like, it wasn't even on that long list I was saying was, in, you know, given to us to try to conceive. It wasn't even on there. So yeah. I added choline just out of my own because I have a friend who's a dietitian who told me to. It's like, and yeah, it's like important for cell replication, you know, which is obviously growing a baby. You need to be able to do that. So that's really interesting and and that's so sad it's not in more normal prenatals no and a lot of my clients I have a few who are like always kind of going through any changes with their OB or with their physician which I totally get and totally respect but I'll have some you know not very open-minded physicians ones who want to take total care of their patients and don't really understand like the benefit of delegating different areas of their care right who are like I've never heard of choline like no you don't (laughs) need like no and they've never heard of it and so they shut it down and I'm like nope that's so sad yeah sort of a missed opportunity totally that's such a good way of putting it yeah exactly so choline will be one thing that I look for iodine is another one Iodine's in most prenatal vitamins now, but you'll still see some missing iodine. Mm-hmm. Uh, enough vitamin D. Oh, yeah. Wow. I had to take a separate one. I yeah. took a separate one too. Yeah. yeah. You know, did as much walking outside. Colorado, it's pretty easy. So Yeah, Colorado, it is easy to get outside. <laughs> but still, okay. Yeah. So there's, there's only a few that has enough vitamin D. Most of them are around oh. 600 international units, which for most people isn't going to be enough. Right. So DHA, I was just going to ask about DHA and also, um, going back to the vitamin D, do you have, do you tell people before they get pregnant that they need to get their vitamin D tested or do you have like blood work drawn? Obviously if they're like trying to get pregnant, maybe you do it then. Do you also do it if somebody comes to you early pregnant? Hey, I'm pregnant. Do you have them get blood work done? 
Yes, absolutely. Okay. Vitamin D is always like my number one focus because I want to tick that box before I move on to anything else that yeah. may be a little bit more complex, especially in Canada because most people are vitamin D deficient. Sure. So oh, yeah. if I lived in Canada. So, so. I mean, I'm from Wisconsin, so I <laughs> close to Canada. I get it. <laughs> So there's not a lot of sunshine here. Like yeah, two months a right. week maybe is enough. But and then still, if you're working nine to five right. Friday, like you're not you're not getting enough yeah. exposure. Totally. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. So that so that could be something that if you were to work with somebody, they could run their prenatals by you and say, "Hey, what's this missing? How can I fix it or get a new one or oh, or just supplement it on top of that?" Like I was right. saying, my prenatal did have vitamin D, but not enough, so I just added a vitamin D supplement as mm-hmm. well. And I did. I should clarify. I did get tested, and I was so deficient I. Mm-hmm. as well. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, in looking at diet first is always the most important thing. Like, I'll Mm -hmm. work with some women who have like awesome, you know, a prenatal nutrition plan. So, Mm -hmm. their supplement is really just to like be a good insurance policy. You know, they're getting really almost everything they need from food. Right. Right. Which is ideal. Yeah. Do people ever worry about getting like toxicity? Like, do you ever run into people that are like, I'm on 18 million vitamins? And like, I mean, I was definitely on a lot. Yeah. (laughs) There were some that I was worried about, but. Yeah. No, I feel like usually when people come to me and they're on a long list of supplements, usually we knock them out pretty quick. Yeah. Good. Those are such a pain. No. So uh, compliance has to be a piece of the puzzle. And if you're taking like 10 million different supplements every single day and you're nauseous, like you're not going to keep going with it. Like let's pick the the best bang for your buck. I love that kind of focusing on compliance. I love that what they're actually going to do because you can tell them to do it. But then if they don't actually follow through, I'm well, talking to myself right now. It's only <laughs> days I didn't take all my supplements. Oh, I know. Well, and it's intimidating too. If a doctor like at an infertility treatment, like place is like, Hey, here's 20 supplements you need to buy. I mean, that could be very expensive for somebody and you're almost better off buying like a better quality and just sticking to like those five ones that you just talked about versus like spending so much money and taking 10 and then having them interact with each other. I mean, right. Or like you said, focusing on the food and actually buying higher quality food items, you know, more bioavailable, you know, proteins and things in real life. And I love to, I think you've posted before on your Instagram, um, like non meat sources of protein, which I found like when I was pregnant, meat was really hard. So I think just focusing on, there are other places to get protein. So if you're freaking out right now, like I don't eat eggs in the morning, I'm pregnant. I don't, you know, I can't do chicken or whatever I usually do because I'm so sick. There are other ways to get in your protein for sure. Totally. Yeah. There's ways to work around pretty much everything. Yeah. I, um, I have a personal question as well. Brooke and I both took collagen while we were pregnant. Do yeah. you ever recommend that? Oh yeah. hundred oh, percent. Cool. There's okay. something I, I can't recall the stat like right off the top of my head, but it was like a uterus at the end of pregnancy has like 800% more glycine than a non-pregnant uterus. And glycine is like conditionally essential during pregnancy. So wow. collagen is an awesome way to get that in. Okay, great. I loved it. So what I did, I put it in my coffee every morning Mm -hmm. um, and it was delicious. It was so good. It tasted good. But I did it because um, somebody told me it would help prevent stretch marks and also tearing. And I was like, if I can prevent a vaginal tear, I will do it. I will do whatever you tell me. And I mean, to be fair, I like had the tiniest tear ever. And it was because they were like, this baby needs to come out right now or you're getting like an emergency C-section yeah. and his heart rate's dropping and get him out now. Otherwise I wouldn't have torn yeah. when he was tiny, but, um, I yeah, got- so I, I love my collagen and I will do that again <laughs> next pregnancy. Yeah, definitely it do it. Easy additive. It's like not super easy. And mine was unflavored. Yeah. Oh, I got the chocolate and then I also did vanilla, but both tasted delicious in my coffee. So. I did unflavored. So I added it to or something? Yes. Totally. Yeah. Okay. And then do you also work with your clients postpartum and breastfeeding if they decided um, breastfeed too? Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Usually I said, it depends on sort of where they catch me in their journey, but usually if I catch them when they're pregnant, the last trimester is like, let's fill up your freezer. Like we're going to do these recipes. We're focusing on these nutrients and then give them a break, allow them to kind of settle into motherhood. 
and then reconnect and make sure they're, that they're still doing some of the things like taking their prenatal vitamin when they're breastfeeding, which a lot of yes. women don't remember to do. And they're like, it's yeah. called a prenatal. Like I had the baby and I'm like, your nutrient needs are arguably higher for more right. nutrients. Plus your body's trying to recover. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I do have to say I've come in contact with many a women that didn't know they were supposed to continue taking yeah. their prenatal, um, while you're nursing. I don't know. I don't know what your argument is if people decide to formula feed, if they still take their prenatal because they're still recovering. Yeah. yeah. Research on postpartum women who are not breastfeeding is extremely limited. Right. Um, But if you think of what the body's doing postpartum and how much of a, I don't want to say burden, but how much, sure. you know, your, your body just grew a human. Like, you need to replenish your own nutrient stores now. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. They ripped me apart when I was pregnant. Especially <laughs> if My nails were like, brittle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They steal your nutrition when they they're really in you. <laughs> yeah. My nails were, like, so brittle. Actually, this pregnancy, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, um, I have several cavities after being pregnant <gasps> with my daughter. Oh, my gosh, my dentist was like, you are starting to get gum disease. And I was like, what? And she's like, are you breastfeeding? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, yep. Right after you get pregnant, if you're breastfeeding and just like being postpartum, that's when we see the most issues with women. Um, And so she immediately, because she saw me while I was pregnant and everything was good. And I went back six months later. I was like two months postpartum. And she's like, oh yeah, your gums are terrible. Like that's insane. Yeah. yeah. My teeth are, t- I have several cavities. I know. And I got cavities too. And I'm like, what is happening? Have you seen I that? I still brush that's my so teeth. so interesting because, you know, our baby or our body will like draw on calcium stores from everywhere but our teeth. This is what I've heard. So yeah. this is so, so weird. When I researched it back in college. It was kind of like this myth. Like I feel like it was kind of a myth that was busted of like actually when you're pregnant doesn't pull from your teeth. But at that same time, I've heard like this one woman I know was like, oh yeah, that's what they always say. For every baby you have, you lose a tooth. Like no. you have to get a root canal or like your tooth. And I was like, what? And then wow. okay, exact same thing. I went to my dentist. I was two months pregnant about and got a cleaning. Everything looked just fine. And literally I just went back in and my, my daughter's five months old and I have several cavities. So it's like, I know that it doesn't necessarily pull the calcium, but I don't know what something is happening. There's something. We still need to interview a dentist. So any dentist (laughs) come on the show. We have a lot of questions. You know, I haven't, you know, looked at the research yet because I'm crying over my teeth that I need to get cavities filled Mm -hmm. for. But it's really an interesting kind of dynamic because I I take my prenatal, you know, I'm pretty religious with it. I took a lot of vitamin D. I did all the things. A lot of K2. Yeah. And I will say just like genetically, my family has bad teeth. Like we just tend to get cavities and I brush daily. You guys have all listened to our episode last year about flossing. Yeah. (laughs) I floss, I brush, you know, I do all the things. I just have really soft teeth, but still the fact that pregnancy really ripped apart my teeth with, at least with Nora. So anyway. That's so fascinating. But you know what? Dentists would see that. And I think that that's the thing too, is that people dismiss anecdotal evidence which I get but Mm. that's how more research ends up getting done right when people are like listen something's happening to my freaking teeth like I just got pregnant and now this is happening and dentists are seeing this more you know that's where people are like you know what maybe we should dig into this because obviously something's happening Exactly. And my biggest thing with anecdotal evidence is like, as long as you're not harming, like whatever, I, I can't think of something off the top of my head, but a lot of people will be like, well, my mom had this issue or da, 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 da. So I'm going to start eating these foods. It's like, as long as you're not harming yourself, you know, and that's like where the prenatal comes in too. It's like, you don't want to rely on it and it's not harming you to take it. So it's yeah. like, just take your prenatal once a day, you know? And so I think that's an interesting kind of perspective to have is like, as long as you're not doing something actively harmful, it's okay. <laughs> you know? Totally. So, cool. Any more questions for her? Well, we got um, her. Uh, no, I think <laughs> just to clarify, um, you are recommending that we take prenatal before we get pregnant during pregnancy and after, right? Cause I think, 100%. Yeah. yeah, because I think like when I worked at WIC, at least, um, I would get women that when they were pregnant and they're like, I'm not on a prenatal and they're like three months pregnant. And I'm like, Ooh, well, but you know, the thing was 
most of the pregnancies I saw at my last job, nine, 90% of them were, were unplanned pregnancies. Right. So that's the hard thing is like, I think it's like the stats in the U S at least is like 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. So even right. if you're married, like you can still have a very unplanned pregnancy. I don't think people realize the stats are that high. Yeah. Um, and so if you're not planning to get pregnant, most people are not on a prenatal. And so I remember in college learning, you should really be taking a prenatal if you're sexually active or at least like a multi, a daily multivitamin with iron, um, and folate, choline, don't forget the choline, but yeah, just like pretty much if you're having sex, um, and you're that makes total not, sense. and you hadn't hit menopause yet. Like you really should be taking at least just a multivitamin. Yeah. How, yeah, how freaking painful is that statistic for people who are dealing with infertility? I, I know. know. Oh my and God. when you're struggling, so I feel like all you see is people, Pregnant, that, yeah. you know, and you judge and you're like, why does she get to have 10 kids? And like, totally one. And you know, it's, it's a rough to dark places. Yeah. It's it a really rough place to be. So I guess, for any of you listening that are struggling with infertility, we hear you. Our hearts are with you. We see you. We've been there. Two thirds of us have been there <laughs> at least on the Hey, podcast, I have so. only tried to get pregnant once, so I'm sure I'll be there at some point or even like miscarriage too. Can you actually, can you touch on that too? With, um, do you feel like when you've see, seen women who've miscarried, do they blame themselves? Like, do they think that it's something that they, cause obviously we know yeah. like it was nothing the mom did. However, do you feel like you see moms who are like, I didn't take my prenatal and that's why I miscarried. Can you touch on miscarriage a little bit? Yes. Or they'll be like, I went to the gym and I like did this extra oh, class no. that I don't know what I was doing yeah. that the day. So I'm never doing that class again. And like my heart breaks for them because of course you're just looking for an answer mm-hmm. right? to something that yep. there's no answer to. You'll never know. Right. So most exactly. women will never know why it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right here. I had a miscarriage. Our first was a miscarriage, like um, before Aiden, and you just don't know. And I played. Yeah. I, that's funny that you say that. Like, I'm never gonna go to that class again. I played softball that like the night before I miscarried, and I took like a really hard. I like dove for this ball and grabbed it. And then I was like, Oh, that's what happened. Oh my gosh. I fell so hard. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. And then Mm -hmm. once you are pregnant and I think we can all kind of speak to this, that body, that baby is freaking resilient. Like I had food poisoning two times and the flu while I was pregnant with Nora and she's doing just fine. So it's like, those babies are freaking resilient. I'm not telling you to like be dangerous while you're pregnant or like make risky choices, but like they really are resilient. So if something wasn't growing right, you know, your body usually just takes care of it. And that's really sad and a really hard place to be, but you still need to nourish your body and take care of it and take that prenatal vitamin. Right. Yeah. So even if you do miscarry, it is still very important to take that prenatal. So yeah. And your body is really recovering. You know, I think that that surprised me with, I was pregnant. I think it was like seven weeks along and it surprised me so much how much my body had already changed. And then after we lost the baby, how much I still had to recover, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, miscarriage is giving birth, you know, maybe that baby is the size of a peanut, but you are giving birth and you still need to recover and nourish your body and Mm -hmm. take time for yourself and, and get realigned and continue taking, you know, those vitamins and things that are going to support your body through that time. So that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on here, Kristen. We really appreciate it. Can you tell, yeah. Can you tell people kind of where to find you if they're interested in working with you or follow? I love following her on Instagram. So Oh, thank you. Instagram's probably the best place. I probably spend way too much time on there, but I love (laughs) like as a mom too. And I run my practice virtually. So I work from home and I think it's like my way to kind of socialize with people. So I really love it. Anyway, you can find me at prenatal.dietitian on Instagram. And I have a a blog and I have a free five-day prenatal meal plan that you can download. There's lots of good stuff on there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. We really, really appreciate it. And it's so much great information. And we'll have to have you on again sometime because this was super fun. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe when we're both trying to get pregnant again. <laughs> yeah. There we'll we go. Quiz you. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank Good you so much. You. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. That was Kristen, and she was so awesome. She was awesome. She gave a lot of really – we touched on so many things. I know. I think working with her would be so helpful. Yes. Like the preconception period, pregnancy period, like postpartum. postpartum. I mean, that's a large portion of your life. 
to have that and have that kind of support and work with someone and know that they know what they're talking about. Um, I don't know when you guys were listening, when she talked about how certain doctors or midwives may not touch on it very much for you. If that's been your experience, I think it's well worthwhile to reach out to a dietitian, just ask a few questions, maybe work with them, but, um, also just follow them on Instagram guys. People are giving away free content. Yeah. Yeah. She has a lot of great information. (laughs) Totally. So thanks for tuning in you guys. Um, don't forget to leave a review. We're still doing a giveaway until we hit a hundred reviews. Yeah. So you can put a star review and then we love written reviews. So if you can just write, it can be pretty short, just write maybe your favorite episode or your favorite guest. Um, or what you'd like to hear. Yes. Or why you freaking love us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, thank you guys so much for leaving those written reviews. It's honestly the best compliment you can give. If you enjoy this podcast, we would really appreciate it. It also really helps getting this podcast up and above the other podcasts that are dealing diet culture. Bologna is the Mm, word I want to use. Yeah. Um, so if we get more rates and likes and subscribes and all that kind of stuff, um, we can help push those people out of here that are just teaching crap. So yeah, I want to read a review. Very proud of my language right now. But anyways, the way that you enter the giveaway is, um, subscribe to our podcast and leave a review or like rate our podcast, hopefully five stars. Um, but also leave a written review and you'll automatically be entered to win. And our, um, prize is going to be the intuitive eating book, health at every size book, some diet riot merchandise, some fit snacks, which fit snacks was, um, we had a guest on Rose. If you guys go back, she was our first guest on the podcast, which was so kind of her because it was kind of jumbled, but she did an awesome job. Um, and she owns fit snacks. So some fit sack snacks and did I say everything? I think I did. Um, oh, yes. oh, oh, a $25 gift card to Amazon, of course. Oh, amen. I'm not amen. saying that's probably the reason why you're entering, but cash is pretty nice to Amazon. So yeah. And then I'm just going to read one review and then next episode we'll leave, read another one, it but it could be you. Yeah. This one was from December. It's a five star. It's John. It says a friend referred me to this podcast and I had to say it's so good, really great information, but also like, it's also like you're just chatting with some friends who happen to be dietitians. It's relatable and easy listening. Thank you, John. Oh, John. Thanks so much. Um, also that made me totally think (laughs) there's this funny meme. I'll have to post it of, um, (laughs) this guy, I think it's a guy he's got headphones on and he's like sitting next to this poster of these like two girls chatting. And he's like, this is what I feel like when I listen to my podcast, it's like him smiling at them being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like almost like he's having a conversation with literally they're not even there. It's just a picture of them. (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes podcasts are like that. It feels like you're hanging out with your best friends and then you're like, wait, they're not actually with me. <laughs> so yeah. hi to all our best friends out there. We really appreciate you tuning in and listening. But anyways, we will see you next week with a brand new episode. Thanks guys for tuning in. Thanks. Bye. Bye.